0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks Everybody. Um, with me, your host, Jackson Stone. And uh, we're currently at Everybody's Land, which is a fancy name for my house, so I can sell t-shirts. Um, but it's like uh, almost noon uh, on Thursday, uh, October 21st? 21st. 20 se- 22nd? 22nd, yeah. 22nd 22nd, um, 2020, so ignore the beers. Uh, We're still gonna have a few because we do that when we record an episode it just happens to be noon but you know it's never a bad idea to have a beer no no judgments um but uh i'm here with a good friend um someone i've known for a long time Uh, but we recently reconnected um since i've moved back to texas and we got into some baseball stuff together when we were doing that previously and then i moved away and some life stuff happened and uh but uh yeah glad to reconnect so Welcome to the podcast, David Bodson. Thank you so much. I appreciate having me, Jackson Stone. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's my favorite uh, thing is to have people on this podcast that knew me before I uh, made up my pretend name of Jackson yes. Stone and to have them like, because my,
1: my new roommate did the same thing. He was like, it's Jackson and Aaron. I'm like... It's all good. It's all good, and then yeah. I have the uh, kids I coach calling you Jackson now, and I guess like, so a secret you can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, dude, good to see you. Good to see you. Good to be with you here on a Thursday on a, a Thursday afternoon and, and have a couple beers with you and, uh, and talk about life. Yeah, I've never, I've never, I've, I drink
0: beers when I do this podcast, mm-hmm. but I've never had anything but a Bud Light on here. Yeah, I saw the Bud Lights in there, and I thought this was a more special occasion. We Might as well bust out the uh, IPAs. So. Uh, someone, someone brought these over to my house when I had my housewarming party okay. in January. Nice invite, thank you for you know. <laughs> Oh man!
1: Look, I'm having a Halloween party, you wanna come over? Fantastic. You wanna bring your girlfriend? Yeah, let's do it. Not on Halloween though, cause I got a coach.
0: It's on, it's on nighttime. That's fair. Yeah, I'll ask her. Once you guys win the tournament, come through. Yeah, fair
1: enough. Just don't bring the 13 year old boys. I will try not to, I'm gonna say we're going to coach action, do tell us, <laughs> let's go.
0: Um, so yeah, a little background on uh, on David and I. Um, both big-time baseball players growing up um, also David's also Jewish as well so we had a connection through Jewish youth groups he was friends with my sister and so because he's you're about the same age as her yes right? yeah a year older you're older <clears throat> so three years older than me so we kind of connected that way and then obviously we connected through baseball and then my mom famous mom found out that David was like a really good guy and also good at baseball um, and so we started doing lessons together he started giving me lessons like pitching lessons um, on the weekends and stuff which was super cool and a lot of functional fitness stuff and a lot of functional yeah. fitness stuff um, and that's kind of how our,
1: our journey began now yeah, wouldn't you say that's accurate yeah I think um, we started off with the uh, Maccabi games remember um, oh my god, those were, so fun. you were 13 you were 12 maybe yeah and I was 18 and I became an assistant coach for Maccabi oh. games we won the bronze medal for that whole tournament. Yeah, we did. And that's how uh, we came into each other's lives. And then I took a real interest in you as a personality. I, I really enjoyed um, getting to know you. And so uh, through that and through, obviously, my relationship with uh, with Rachel, um, you would meet me up at, uh, at Camel Green. We'd do pitching lessons and functional fitness with stuff, uh, with stuff I was learning from Paul.
0: Yeah, it's so and, fun.
1: And so that's uh, that's the small world of baseball and the small world of the uh, the Jewish community as well. Yeah, because it's, it's fantastic. Dra-
0: yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Where did your, so you love baseball, obviously. Yeah. Where did that love came from? Came from yeah.
1: your father? Really Just- from my father. So the, the story goes that the day that my dad brought me home from the hospital, there was a big welcome home party. Okay. No, welcome home David, you're you know, four days old. Welcome to the world. And my dad turned on a Rangers game and Nolan Ryan was pitching and Ooh. sat me in front of the TV and the story goes that I was so fixated on the T V watching Nolan Ryan pitch that nobody could really mess with me. At four years old or four four days, four old, days old. Four days old. So from that day on I've just been a baseball mind. And I and by baseball mind, I mean I didn't know anything, I didn't know what up and down was, but I was, at least enjoyed watching Nolan Ryan pitch, apparently, when I was four days old. It was uh, the colors and the the movements were interesting to me, and uh, my dad raised me to be a a passionate baseball fan from then on, and that's how it started. And then, Um, and then you played baseball in high school. Yeah, it really, so so the cool thing about my career was that um, when I, on my 15th birthday, my dad had pulled strings to get me to be a bat boy for the Frisco Rough Riders. This was in 2003 that Frisco Rough Riders were established in April. This was June 7th of the same year.
0: So for those who don't know, the Frisco Rough Riders are the AA team for the Texas Rangers. Rangers to this day. Um, and Frisco, for those who don't live in Texas, uh, is basically for... It, we'll just say it's a suburb of Dallas, a Suburb, even though it's a massive
1: city. We'll call it like, um, like Orange County is to LA. Yeah. It's a suburb. It's kind of LA. It's kind of not. So, Frisco is a suburb of, of Dallas. Um, so, I got the opportunity to be a bat boy for the uh, Frisco RFRiders on my uh, 15th birthday. My first day in the working world was in front of 10,000 people. Amazing. Um, I'll never forget a guy by the name of uh, Jackie Moore, who's a legendary coach, and Spike Owen, a legendary University of Texas third baseman and uh, bench coach for the Rangers. Both of them were the Rangers for a while. Um, were the coaches in the Astros organization for the team that we were playing against uh, around Rock Express. And they messed with me. And they basically told me, hey, we need to get you the key to the batter's box. And so I ran in the middle of the national anthem, two years post 9-11. Yeah. Oh. People are still very patriotic. Yeah, sure. And there's 10,000 people booing me because I'm running during the national anthem. Oh, my God. My 15th birthday. I was looking for the key to the batter's box. I'm looking for a box box of curveballs. I'm looking for all sorts of stuff. And they're sending me across the board like the umpires are messing with me. And so that was my first day in the working force as a 15-year-old. Um, but it gave me a really cool opportunity. What was that? Yeah. Wow. Wait, like what did... Like, when you went
0: home that day with your dad. I didn't know anything. And you I, talked about the game. Yeah. I also, he just, was at the game. I also just farted. It's so, just so Fantastic. So
1: well, I'm just going to smell this beer then. I'm so, I'm so
0: sorry. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Um, anyways, it's the coffee. Uh, no, yeah. I just, yeah, it's I the had coffee. two cups of coffee this morning. It's the, and the beer. With yeah. Anyways, so when you went <laughs> home with your dad, you like... Were you upset? Did you think something happened?
1: No, I so I had no idea what was going on. Again, 15 years old, grew up in the Jewish community, kind of sheltered. I sure. was just like, hey, I'm just happy to be here. I was helping out. Well, so originally, I was just there to shag baseballs. 15th birthday, hey, congratulations to are shagging baseballs. Well, a bat boy got into like a speeding ticket and a car wreck and couldn't make it. Oh, no. So he looked at me and said, hey, you want a bat boy in the game tonight? night? And that's how I became a bat boy. Mm. By the way, it was just a shot in the and my dad had season tickets. He was sitting behind third baseline third base dugout and i called my dad an hour before game saying hey they're putting me in uniform i'm gonna be a bat boy tonight i had no i was the most oblivious kid you'll ever meet very sheltered and i just was happy to be there and so i think the coaches kind of smelt the um the naivety off me and they're like oh we're gonna mess with this kid sure let's just mess with him and so they had me doing that at the end of the day i was just happy to be there you know, and then all the clubhouse guys were messing with me, and I had a good attitude towards it, so they hired me on to be a bat boy for them after that. And so I spent so the won next... The job. I won the job, and for the next three years, I was a bat boy. And then uh, um, in 2006, I became the assistant clubhouse manager for them. And Excuse me, and that was uh, kind of how I grew into the baseball world, that I was surrounded by professional athletes my entire adolescence and around um, good baseball coaches and good future. Like Scott Service, who's now the... Um, Manager of the Seattle Mariners was our director of uh, player personnel, and so I grew up around him. You know, talking to me about what he looks for in and talent and looks for in players, and yeah, um, not to get away from the funny messed up stories and things that I did. When no, I was there, no, 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 plenty of those. Yeah. But it was, but that's kind of where my love for the game came in. Is is um, is just growing up around a bunch of athletes who really. Um, they what, what's 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 the word i'm looking for as i'm as i'm tired after all these meetings this morning they um corrupted me that's mm. correct they, they, they corrupted me from an early age because i'm hanging around a bunch of 22 23 year olds who are getting paid to play baseball and i'm 16 years old and i haven't even gotten my first kiss yet um. and so they're talking about all sorts of stuff that i've never heard of that t- teaches them stuff, stuff about life so that teaches me stuff about life teaches me stuff about women that i was too scared to talk to women at the time in my life and they were like "Ah, oh, you can't be scared of this and this and this and Certain lessons that were good, certain lessons that I, I think that was probably not good for a 16-year-old to hear, but right. um, but that's uh, so that, that's the environment that I grew up in uh, from when I was 15 until I was, was in those clubhouses until I was 22 years old, and uh, that's really a lot of my passion for the game comes from knowing a lot of the guys who made it to the major leagues and seeing how... Emotionally taxing it is to play professional baseball, mm. as you would imagine, as you know from playing professional wrestling. being right. a professional wrestler is always on the road. You're not getting paid necessarily a ton of money, um, and you, you know you have to find housing, you have to find a way to eat on the on the low salary you're getting mm-hmm. just for a chance to make it big time. But that chance in baseball is so minuscule. It's tiny. that, that you're that you have substitute teaching jobs in the off season, or you're getting lessons like, like we do at Five Tool, right? Is where where you have a lot of um, Because we have a lot of uh, professional athletes who right now are giving lessons, because it's just not a lot of money until you make it big time. Right. So sorry, I'm ranting about different stuff. But no,
0: it's good. This is what we do on this on this show. We just talk. It's fair enough. But that's that's
1: really where my upbringing came from in baseball. Um, And then you played high school ball where? No, no, I played played at Richardson High School. School. Um, Played at Richardson High School while I was working for the Rangers. So I wasn't really taking my baseball career seriously because over summer when a lot of people are. Being very serious about the recruitment process, where they're playing summer ball, um, they're playing select baseball. Right. I spent all my time in in professional clubhouses, learning the game more than playing it. And I was I was okay, you know. I, I could have gone to play a JUCO or a D three, mm-hmm. um, but um, I, I got lucky actually that uh, the team doctor for the Rangers, his name is Keith Meiser, great arm doctor. Um, I got hurt my senior year. And he, uh, he worked with me on my rehab, and then he made a call for me to a guy named Andy Lopez, who's a uh, ABCA Hall of Fame baseball coach who had won a national championship at Pepperdine in 1992, coached at Florida, was coach of the year several times, and he was at the University of Arizona at this time. They knew each other at Florida, and I kind of had an option. You know, I want to go play D3 or I want to become a, an operations guy for a Division one powerhouse and learn the game from a, from a legend. and. When I had one of those, um, 18 years old and I wanted to go to a party school, I thought I was like, University of Arizona, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Really hard not to have a good time there. Very hard not to have a um, good time there. So I, uh, so I went and it was basically like, yeah, I'll just know one, one window closes, a door opens. And I went to the University of Arizona, became a student manager for them and, uh, got to sit on the bench with Andy Lopez and learn the game from one of the better baseball minds in college baseball for a few years. Um resulting in a national championship in 2012. Mm. Um, I, was, I was in operations and I, because an experience of though! So. What's that? An experience. Oh, it was an incredible experience. I got really lucky. So after two years of uh, baseball, I went and became a student manager for the football team um, with Mike Stoops and uh, Sonny Dykes and, and a lot of those guys because I couldn't afford my education and they were gonna pay me an education to be a student manager for them. Sure. So I left the baseball program, went to football, not my sport. Don't really know much about it. It was fun to learn how defenses work and how offense work, but obviously baseball's my passion. Well, when the baseball team moved to High Corbett, they brought me back to run their equipment room because I'd done that for the Rangers. And so I became their director of ops and director of equipment ops the year we won the national championship. And I got to be around a championship-caliber team, mm-hmm. a lot of whom I, I still keep in touch with. Yeah. And obviously never good enough to be on that team as a player, but... Um, hardworking enough to be a fly on the wall during a lot of those conversations at the beginning of the year um, Terry Francona who had just left the Boston Red Sox was hanging around he played third base in Arizona years yeah. and years before and he gave uh, the team a speech about how you're not going to win a national championship every year but if you go to a school like University of Arizona you should be competing for a national championship every year And right. got to pick his brain in my office I my own office at the ballpark and I got to pick his brain for a bit about what he looks for and. You know personalities and players, and you know what what makes players tick um, emotionally and mentally. Yeah, and that was just a cool experience that year is, is getting to know some of these legends of the game, and and again, was never good enough to play on that team, but I was at least hardworking enough to attach myself to just a successful a team like that and be a part of it and yeah. just learn a ton from there. So sure, yeah, that was, that was cool for them.
0: <clears throat> so being, I think, being around like at a certain level, right. You get to a point of high quality Division One, and then onto pros. Like the talent level isn't that drastic anymore. It's not right. So when you, what you've seen from being around the Frisco Rough Riders and the Rangers and high quality Division One college baseball, sure. and now possibly in youth sports, what what do you think is the separator from someone who becomes really great and someone who just stays at that
1: level or never? Surpasses their talent because it's not about their physical No, absolutely not. it's all mental it's all mental so um a really close friend of mine Cameron Lowe who's from the Rangers um spent I think got seven and a half years of service time in the major leagues was a setup guy for the Brewers he was a starter for the Rangers he played for the Mariners for a bit the Cubs for a bit the Brains for a bit and he always told me that the difference between a major league baseball player and a AAA baseball player is how mentally strong you are um, because when you're a Major League Baseball player, you know you have 80 people gunning for your job plus potential trade candidates gunning for your job. And you are always disposable unless you're a Roy Holiday or a Cliff Lee at that point or it's now you know, a, a Bueller or a Clinton Kershaw. You're disposable. And they can always trade you for prospects. So are you mentally strong enough to take the bump every day knowing that, hey, I better have a good game or I might get traded or I might get cut or I might get sent down? Yeah. And at AAA, you're saying, hey, that's the job I want. Right. I want that job. And in the major leagues, it's, hey, I don't want that guy to get my job. So what are you doing to stay out of your head and stay healthy mentally and stay healthy physically so that you can get the best out of your body and the best out of your mind you can? Yeah. Um, to your initial point, the separation in, in terms of talent, I always compared high-level Division One as being a high-A baseball player. You know, the the talent level you're getting, if you're a really good Division I baseball player, you should, in theory, be able to make the jump into high baseball, like California League, where it's a hitter's league, and go go compete. Yeah. Um, But again, people struggle with the change because in college at Division I, as you know, you're treated a little bit differently. You're a little bit more coddled. You have a good clubhouse. You have a good practice. You have good facilities. Go to high a which is potentially the same talent level you have a broken washing machine everything's shit you're going yeah you're everything's shit you're going off of about fifteen hundred dollars you know every two weeks mm-hmm. that you're living off of for seven months you're living off of like twenty thousand dollars a year to try to make your dreams come true in bad facilities you're on a bus for for you know up to 15 16 hours with half a team that doesn't speak the same language as you which is a tough culture shock for a lot of people if you're not bilingual. Yeah. You get in a, in a tough situation where, and then the same thing for you. You look at the, uh, the young men who come over from the Dominican, Venezuela, um, and they come over and they don't know English and they're, they're expected to compete, but they can't really communicate with their teammates. And how tough is it for them to leave home where they have their loving families to come to America to have teammates who can't communicate with them? You know, and then you have to have, you know, baseball as a communicator. But it's just, it's really tough on your, your mindset. So the ones who are successful in overcoming it are the ones who can, you know, take care of themselves emotionally. Yeah, because, be very emotionally resilient. Like imagine, imagine this. Imagine you go to, we'll um, say you go you to play baseball in Italy. And everybody on your team speaks Italian. And you don't know a lick of Italian. You're only speaking English. They can't speak English. And you're staying on a cot In a spare bedroom and nobody speaks the same language as you and you're not making much money and how are you going to emotionally uphold to compete to your best ability every day it's tough it's it's really hard on your mindset yeah to be able to do that and i feel very strongly for any minor league baseball player who has to go through that on either side of the spectrum because it's not an easy thing to do to to get the best out of your, your physical and mental uh, performance when you don't know what's going to come tomorrow or you can't communicate correctly with the people who, who, who are supposed to be your brothers in arm on the, on the field. Watch yourself. Hmm. And so that's, that's why, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a um, stellar situation to be in and it's, it is really hard on your, your mental state. It's super
0: tough, yeah. <clears throat> There's so many parallels between baseball and, and wrestling, right? It's kind of the same trajectory in terms of like, you know, huge quotation marks here for wrestling on making it and, right? Because when you make it as a baseball player, it's the major leagues, right? And you're making
1: X amount of dollars every single day. Right. You're
0: you're there. Wrestling is different. It's kind of what your vibe is and whatever you feel feel success is. But it's the same kind of trajectory. Whenever you start, it's nothing. You know, you're starting out for the love of the game, for the love of the sport, And then as you build, it becomes a bit more serious, but you want to maintain that level of fun and maintain that level of love or else all the hours, the sleepless nights, the no money, you know, all that stuff. What's it for? Right. Right. What's it for? Because not everyone is going to quote unquote make it. So what what do you have at the end of it all? You have memories, you have experiences, you have life lessons, you have friendships, you have all these beautiful things that you can build off of that are, that I do consider making it. Because, I mean, I spent a lot of time playing baseball, and the one thing I remember is the bonds that I have with the friends that I have forever. Yes. So for me, that's making it. right. And in wrestling, it's the same thing now. I'm creating these memories and these moments and these experiences while also trying to change the business inside and out because of the same mental, emotional toll that you talk about with baseball. is, is even. I think it's even deeper as a professional wrestler, right? Sure. And so... You're, I think the definition of success is whatever you want it to be. Obviously, we want to make $10 million a year playing a sport that we did for $0 when we were six. Right. That sounds amazing. That's,
1: that's a dream, right? Um, Brandon yeah. Lowell talked about it yesterday before the game, before he hit two home runs in a World Series game. He's you know, been waiting for this his whole life. But And so, but it's still just a game, and we do it because
0: we love it. Yes. And at, yeah, I wouldn't say every guy in the majors would do it for free, but sure. Well, there's an old saying: if you that strip everything away, they would, sure. right? They're, but they're, they got to feed their family and all these absolutely. things. Absolutely, right?
1: and that's a huge thing. When, you know, you see a lot of people who are saying, you know, Mookie Betts. Why are you asking for that much money? Well, let's take a look at Mookie Betts before he became a major leaguer and a, and a, and a, and a superstar in the game of baseball, and how much he's making before then, and what his struggle was. Well, I. It, Good example, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak Prescott in Dallas. Everybody talks about, oh, you know, he's asking for thirty five, forty million dollars a year. That's crazy. Well, dude's been playing for seven hundred thousand dollars a year and putting his life on the line for five years, and he's been winning. So yeah, maybe in back and you kind of it back tax at that point. Like yeah, maybe he's earned it. He as, as a professional wrestler, you get to the big leagues of professional wrestling. You deserve those million dollar paychecks because of how hard you've worked in the last seven to 10 years, not just physical toll on your body, but up here. And what have you had to, to endure mentally right. across eight, seven to 10 years to get to where you're at now? You deserve everything that comes your way at that point because it's been a grind. And a lot of people don't really consider the fact that, oh, he's asking for $30 million a year. Is he crazy? Think about all this stuff. Well, sure. But he's also been living in property for six, seven years trying to make this happen. Right. And that was his life choice and his life path. And he's, and, he, and he's been successful enough and blessed enough to get there. I, I'm full-heartedly believe that, yeah, you deserve to get paid by the, the trainer owners who are who yeah. paying you at that point. like have more money. And, and then, yeah. yeah, you ask, you hope that a guy like Clinton Kershaw makes a lot of money and he gives a ton to charity and sure. you try to do right by by your community at that point, but it doesn't make you less deserving of, of the money that you're getting paid because of the work you're putting, not just what you see on TV every day, but what about the off-season? You work harder in the off-season than your body. No, oh, I, think, I think the the season is more mentally tolling than the physical toll, but then the off-season is a physical toll, just getting your body ready for those seven months of the grind. Right. And when you do that every single year for $2,000 a month across seven months, and then you have to find something else because it's not a full-time job right. in baseball, you're getting $14,000 a year to do that, then all of a sudden you're offered $30 million a year? Let me have it. Like, shoot. You know? Like, finally. Like, I, I worked my butt off for this. I got there. I'm going to take everything I can. I'm going to take care of my family. My family's been taking care of me for 10 years. I can finally do something for them. Right. And that's. I think that's pretty incredible. I agree. So,
0: <clears throat> Yeah. So my advice out there to any young athlete, whether in wrestling, baseball, football, basketball, tennis, music, art, whatever your craft is, the really the only three things that we can that we have control over are our physical body, like, you know, how much time we put into exercise, the gym, all that stuff, whatever your craft, we can focus on our craft. So whatever your craft is, and then we can focus on our mind. Sure. So those are the three controllable things. Everything else after that is kind of out of our controls. And so you just kind of have to go with the flow at that point, but you can really
1: put effort into those three things and they're all interconnected, especially the mind, the body and the soul. Well, sure. And then to that point, for all you young athletes and aspiring artists out there who you know, want to make something of your craft that you, that you love to do, my best advice for that, and I've seen it time and time, I've seen some of the best athletes I've ever seen not make it. And I've seen some guys who just aren't that great, who just worked hard and everybody else make it. There's the old saying, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And it's just, that is such an incredible mantra to me from a physical and mental standpoint that... If you're not working hard at your craft right now, somebody somewhere in America is working harder than you who is getting better than you at it. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing to make sure that you're the best at what you do? If it means enough to you, yeah. if that's what you want to do. If you don't, and I tell this kids I tell kids this all the time, this is what you want to do. And you want to be an okay high school player? You're on the right path. If you want to be a good high school player, get a division one scholarship or potentially get drafted, gotta work hard you gotta be in every single night You gotta be working you have to you have to give sacrifices right but when i say that i also urge kids and i urge you take care of yourself up here because there's a there's a big misconception i think that the stigma is finally starting to get broken down a little bit and i'm sure you talk a lot about that to kids and i I love talking about it is is it's okay to not be okay it's okay to struggle you know i talked to a I'm a, I'm a sales director. And I talked to a sales rep this morning who told me, you know, hey, just so you know, I'm having a really tough time. Um, you know, I'm, she's she's killing it right now. She's having a really great month. She's already at quota. But, you know, I, I've, I've suffered a couple losses in my life. You know, earlier this month, I said, hey, listen, so none of this matters if this isn't okay. Like, this is the most important thing. And so what you'll see is you'll see a lot of kids who get egged on by their their friends. Like, oh, man, you're just a wuss. You're doing this. Right. You're crying. But hey, at the end of the day, especially the people who are making fun of the others for not being here, okay, they're the ones that are we're struggling too. Are struggling too, and maybe more so, and they're trying to make themselves feel better. Yeah. So when I talk to kids and I talk to my sales reps to work hard every single day, come with a come with a a goal in mind and have a plan and execute it. If you're if you want to be the best musician out there, practice every day. If you want to be a good ball player, a good wrestler, work on the things you need to work on and control the controllables, but make sure you're taking care of yourself up here because. If you burn yourself out at practice every single day and you don't take time to mentally prepare and mentally take care of yourself, you'll burn out, you'll be in bad shape, and depression creeps in real quick. Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of professional athletes don't like to talk about depression. Sure. Because it's like, oh, man, you know, get over yourself making $30 million a year. Yeah. Um, the income doesn't affect your the way your brain works. Right. And that's really important to me is that kids are... Um, I don't know, just not not being afraid and not feeling judged for not being okay because right. the best advice I ever got was, it's okay not to be, literally the best advice I've ever gotten, it, it, it gets me through the worst of times, is it's okay not to be okay. Right. It's okay to feel how you feel. You have to let yourself feel how you feel if you want to improve and move past it. But if you try to push down how you feel and say, hey, no, it's fine, it'll pass. It Just grows, and that little that little bug in the brain just kind of grows until that's where breakdowns happen,
0: yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, you touched on so many points that I make on the show on a yeah. regular basis, okay. right, yeah. which is beautiful, um, yes, I mean, basically grappling with the tough, painful experiences in your life is the only real way to lead to something meaningful or something fulfilled, sure, is to grapple with those tough emotions, if you just push them aside and and claim that everything's okay or have this sense of toxic positivity and everything's alright all the time, everything's great, that's not, that's just as, you know, that's bad. It's not the right way to approach it. You want to grapple with those tough emotions. You want to process them, you want to feel them, you want to live with them, you want to lean into them because always when something painful or dark or bad or stressful or something hard happens, you want to lean into that because usually it's an opportunity for something better to come out of it. Usually it's an opportunity for growth or for learning or for processing, for understanding oneself deeper. And all these things lead to a more fulfilled life, which is all really what we want, right? Absolutely. Everyone's definition of success is different, but people want to be happy. They want to feel loved. They want to be seen. They want to be heard and they want to feel fulfilled in what they're doing. Yeah. And all of these things are only possible if you're working on your inner life. Absolutely. And then we, we get we get caught up in like celebrities and and athletes because they're making so much social money. Media, you, you, social media. And we get caught up in social
1: media, and everybody posts their best life. They don't. Nobody they, talks about their real life on social media, and it makes us feel alone. You know There's exactly. And now, I mean, I now,
0: I now think the culture is changing a bit because all the hard, traumatic shit that we've gone through collectively this year, as just a whole group oh, yeah. of people, and so now we're starting to be a little more vulnerable with how much we're struggling. Thank God and being alone and how much that hurts and we're seeing shows on Netflix and these and these uh, Streaming platforms about real raw human emotion about love and ups and downs and all these things and about how money doesn't cure Anything money can yes reduce stress money. Yes can give you freedom to go on trips But it does not take away painful moments or experiences. It doesn't take away Anything. We, we're all human. We still all experience those difficult, raw emotions. And we need to lean into them, especially in times like this, or all the times, really. Um, because bad shit is going to happen all the time. It's yeah. never not going to happen. But, the, what, but, but focusing on our inner life gives us more emotional resilience to be able to deal with that and truly enjoy our life when things are rolling in the right direction.
1: Well, And, and that, that speaks to, to one of my, my biggest you know, come-to-God moments is, is you are who you are in the face of adversity. Yeah, You might think you know who you are. But until you face adversity like you and I have in the last three years, right. and you see how you react to it, you don't know who you are. And I think that, that gives us a sense of confidence in that. But sure. at the end of the day, you are who you are based on how you respond to adversity. And, it's, and it, it could be any kind of adversity. I don't think there's any judgment in adversity. I always say, yeah, I lost my dad before I was 30. It was tough. You know, you, you lost your sister at you know, a very unfortunate time. It's tough, and those were the worst experiences of our lives. For sure. But I'm not here to judge you if your iPhone broke, and that's the worst thing that's ever happened. I think it's somewhat unfortunate that, that you've lived a cut of life where you haven't really been able to experience life yet. Yeah. But I'm not here to judge you to say, hey, suck it up. Mm. Like, get better. Are you freaking kidding me? You broke your iPhone. That's the worst thing. My dad died, whatever. No, that's not, that's not how life works. If that's the worst day you've ever had in your life, my heart goes out to you. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's get through this because you are who you are, in my opinion, as a human being based on how you respond to adversity and how you improve. Because the the reason why I love baseball, and this goes out to all you baseball players out there, is baseball is a game of failure. You will fail. You will strike out. You will walk out. You will give up a home run. You'll make errors. Oh, yeah. Whether you want to or not, it will happen sooner than later, again and again and again. You are a better baseball player if you handle that adversity, bounce back, you flush it, and you say, hey, I made this error, here's what I did wrong, here's how I can get better. And that goes directly correlation to life. And life, and if you're young, talk to your parents about it. If you're older, you obviously know this, that life isn't all that fun a lot of the time. Life throws curveballs at you. And excuse my, my baseball euphemisms, that's my life. But-, but <laughs> We love it. But but life will throw curveball after curveball after curveball to you, and you will, you will fail. So how are we responding to it? How are we learning, oh man, well, got fired from that job because I didn't do the right things. Well, back to the drawing board. I can't, you no, know, go to bed and not, you know, I can't, I can't just like not get out of bed. You no, know, life will keep turning. So, what can I do to improve? What can I do to, to, do that? And then all the anxiety you're feeling, to it. Talk it out. You know, find somebody to talk to about it because, like, my initial point is. When you when you see anybody, you know you go to Walmart or you go to Target or you go to to a baseball game or a football game. That you no, know, you might look at somebody and kind of judge them like, what is that person work?" But remember that they bleed too and they feel feelings too. And at the end of the day, you see for somebody who's panhandling, asking for money, you don't know if they're being real or not. But at the end of the day, they have their own personal struggles, and everybody has that. And it doesn't matter if you're making you know hundred million dollars a year or if you're on welfare. You are. Everybody has their own. <laughs> mental struggles they have to, to, to deal with and everybody bleeds and everybody sleeps and everybody wakes up with, with different issues on their mind and it's important to remember that you're never alone I guess is, is, is the is the end yeah I mean, aspect is, is that no matter Oh, you're right the culminating aspect is is you're never alone every somebody's feeling how you feel you might have to go to um, to seek out. Who's feeling that way? I'll, I'll never forget when my dad was sick. I felt so alone when my dad was sick. Right. So, so for those you know, nobody knows who I am. So there's I'll gonna be them. a few people on who you know who you are. Okay, fair. So so the story goes Maybe that you can still explain it. Yeah, I will. My my father, when I back in like 2007 16, 2016, my dad was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of dementia called progressive supranuclear palsy. And what that does is essentially it shuts your frontal lobe so your thoughts are processed, right? Like I need to eat, I need to pee, I need to stand up. But it gets lost in translation here. I wanna say this, but I forget it here because this is where it all processes. Right. And so he was basically trapped in his body, trying to like figure out what he was thinking, but then he couldn't speak it because it would get lost up here. So he was always very confused. And so um, February of 2017, no. Yeah, February 2017, I moved home to Dallas, and I became his caretaker, and I just felt so alone. I'm sitting here at 29 years old, and I'm changing my father's diapers, I'm showering him, uh, I'm wiping his butt, I'm feeding him, and I'm 29, and this guy was like my, my freaking rock star, my superhero, Yeah. and it was so hard for me to go to bed every night Knowing the next day I was going to have to deal with this again, and just like watch my Superman slip into mm-hmm. abyss, and I just, I, 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 I never I, I felt when he first got diagnosed before I moved home, I didn't get out of bed for like three or four months. Jason Botts, who uh, I want to still want to connect you with. Um, hey Jason. Hey Jason, listen to this to you. Love for you to to, to watch this and, and and get on here and talk about this stuff as well because so Jason Botts, was my life coach for three months like free of charge was like dude i'm gonna help you get out of bed and he was basically telling me like hey today get out of bed just to do your laundry right if you do that it's a win yeah like, but count the small wins like yes. you're depressed count the small wins hey did you get out of bed to eat good for you man That's a you got out of win. bed and you fucking ate dinner like it's huge and right. you start growing and growing like, hey i'm still a human being but when, when my dad was sick, I, I used social media as my, my therapy. I would I would share my experiences on Facebook. My mom would always say, you know, maybe you shouldn't share this and this and this. And I was like, listen, in the day I'm here in Dallas, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this stuff for dad. I need an outlet and I need support. and. You know, you can potentially call this begging for support, but like I just wanted other people to know my experiences in case they felt alone like me. Yes. And if so, they could reach out to me and we can talk. And you know what? It worked. That's a beautiful way to use social media, man. And, and and I had people reaching out to me. I had one guy stop me at a football game, said, man, I just want to let you know that me and my dad hadn't really been on the best terms, but I read your post about your dad and like, you know, I always ended it with, you know, tell your tell, tell your parents that you love them. Right. And I always tell them, like all my posts, I'd tell them that you love them because you never know it's me the last time. And he goes, I told him that, man, and we're a lot better. I just want to let you know. And I, I, that melted my heart. I was like, shit, I feel like I made a difference based on my experiences. Um, Say that again. I feel like I made a difference yeah. based on my experiences. Yes. And yeah. I was sharing my experiences. And I was sharing what ailed me and what my pains were. And I realized, hey, I'm not alone. Because while nobody... In my own personal network might be going through what I'm going through, which is waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning because my dad fell out of bed and I had to pick him up to put him back in bed. I'm still having people tell me, hey, your experiences are making a difference in my life. And that, to me, is just the gift of life of of like, hey, this sucks. But I find solace in the fact that I'm not the only person in pain right now. And we can help each other through this. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's it. That's, I mean,
0: that's the key to it. That's the key to creating, you know, real genuine human connection. That's the key to how to use social media as a tool for positive, optimistic, loving connection.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so where are you at now from, from let's say a year after your dad died? Right to when we were together on the baseball field three years after your dad passed. To the day. To the day on the
1: baseball Today. field. You know when my, my I'll never forget when my I put my dad in a home in May twenty seventeen. He needed it Joel Joel. What's up man? How y'all doing? What up fam? <laughs> <laughs> you going go to Walmart? Going to Walling World. Okay. So yeah. Um so when when that happened I I, I, I suffered a lot with my personality, who I was as a human being during sure. that. I didn't really know who I was until, until life called, and I moved home and I took care of my my family, and then I realized, hey, I'm a freaking badass. I'm the kind of guy who will quit his job, move home, and take care of his family, and use his whole life savings to do it, just to make sure that my mom's life is a little bit easier, my sister's life is a little bit easier, that my family can breathe a little bit easier because there's somebody there who can who can do it. Right. I remember returning back to Austin in, in May 2017 and I had never had more self-confidence in my life. I was like, okay, now I know what kind of human being I am. Um, and, I, and I carry that. I carry that with my with my, my confidence now because if I have a bad day, I think back, yeah, but David, you're the kind of guy who quit his job to take care of his family. Yeah. And they, you can think that. And you, you and you did the same thing, you said the same exact thing, right? When when you went through when your family went through what they went through, mm-hmm. Um, you moved home Mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of people came up to me after that and said, no, David, I I commend you for what you did for your family. And I don't know what I would do. I was like, I didn't either. Right. Did what that was right. I
0: I said, I'm pretty sure you would do the same thing. You never know what you're going to do when the most painful experience of your life hits you in the face, right? We're caught with a bunch of choices,
1: which is, which is why I say you are who you are based on what you do in the face of adversity. Right. That's how I figured out. So going back to what you said, you know, three years today. So um, Jackson Stone and I were (laughs) on the... um, We were on... So my my father passed away um, October 11th, 2017. And so that weekend holds a very special place in my heart where I like to reflect on life and reflect on where I'm at in my life. And of course, everything I do, I want to make my father proud. I mm. feel like he's still watching after me. And, I feel that too, yeah. Um, and we uh, went to a, we, we, we played a tournament on his, uh, his three-year anniversary and got to the championship game. And we had a great day. We ran into a team that probably shouldn't have been in that tournament. They were considerably better. They were in a different class. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm coaching a A team this weekend, and they're in that tournament, ironically yeah. enough. Good. Um, and I hope we can play them and beat yes, them. Yes, I hope um, we can play them again. Um, beat but, again. But they should not have been in that tournament. We ended up losing 15 nothing. But, you know, we got to the championship game with a bunch of kids who really deserved to win And on the three-year anniversary. And, you know, you and I talked about, like, how meaningful it is to do that. And, you know, of course, as, as you know and you know, the followers know, um, we get a, a runner-up championship banner. And my father and and his sister are buried catty-cornered from each other, real close to each other. So I took the banner that he and I helped win, and I took it to Rachel and talked to her about it. And then I took it to my father and talked to him about it because that was the three years of the day for him. And I wanted to talk to her. And every time I go talk to him, I, I go and talk to Rachel, too, and... um and i got to share that with both of them i got to share our our um probably i would call it improbable success that weekend absolutely with, with our with our loved ones who left yeah. us too early that's amazing yeah cheers to them yeah cheers to them cheers to baseball for being romantic and beautiful and poetic that it is that is life though life is, is romantic I mean, and poetic hey, you're doing both man you're up or down or up or down or making sure you're, you're hydrated down. caffeinated you know diuretics What's in that, that's just water. That's water. That's nice. What kind of a it on, on Amazon It works when we uh, get this uh uh shout out plug to Chris Gronkowski and uh, Ice Shaker once we get those in. I'll be, them, I'll have too. it on the yeah. I'm looking
0: for uh podcast sponsors, dude. Yeah, you know, I'm fair. really like top Chris two. Does a podcast. You know, top two are like a coffee company and, a, and some sort of local beer companies. So. Yeah, um, Chris
1: does a uh, podcast, but he, he shares more his NFL experiences that's cool um, in that but um he has like Rob on it and he'll have sure. Ryan Ewell who's a good friend of mine he produces it and he does it but um the, the, the ice shaker thing that was on Sark Tank it looks sweet I'll get you one uh, nice. we're about to order a bunch and cool. uh, I'll get you one and you can put it right there and you can you can shout out uh, Elite 5 Tool and uh right here and uh this podcast a- is sponsored by David Bodson and elite five-tool fit with ice
0: shaker, Chris <laughs> Karnkowski. Um, okay, I want to touch on one quick subject.
1: Um, Are we doing it on time? I'm, I have nothing but time. But no, we're, go we're good. I don't, right, we go. I don't really. I don't I'm just sitting here talking. Time,
0: yeah. cool I love it. <clears throat> so we talked a lot about baseball. We talked a lot about um, professional sports. Sure. But I think a really interesting topic. Now that I'm uh, I'm involved in it because of you, kind of just naturally happened, which is how a lot of good things in life happen. Which I'm. I'm more in tune with nowadays um, but David is heavily involved with coaching 13 year old baseball team yes and so youth sports are a very interesting dynamic right you have a lot of moving parts right you have you have the coaches depending on where their background is and what their education is and what their views are right you have the kids you know what are their goals what do they want to be and they're only 13 right they don't know sure. much yeah. they just want to have fun they know what their parents tell them and then you have the parents. The parents. Who are the most um Let's see, inconsistent the X factor to me. variable as youth sports. Yeah. I think mean, that's the the X factor variable. So what's I'm gonna I am mean, i wanna ask one just big general question. Yeah, I wanna ask yeah, I why one. do you think first question, why do you think less kids are playing baseball nowadays?
1: That is a good question.
0: Because I was having this conversation with my mother yesterday on the yeah. way to the World Series game.
1: So I'm gonna. This sounds. Think about it. No, when I when I was at Arizona, Andy Lopez, again Hall of Fame coach, was just a gr- brilliant mind in terms of mentality. Yeah. And he always would say, "We're in a soft society. We don't know how to fail anymore." <clears throat> okay, I don't, I don't, I don't put those two and two together. Okay. So, and I agree with the, the fail. Part. Sure, sure. So, that's, you know, and I think that's why I was hesitant to say it, but I wanted to talk this out with sure, you. Sure, yeah, let's have it. Let's do it, it. Is people struggle with the ability to fail because we're in a society now where there's instant gratification of what we get. Mm, okay. And as a society, we're expecting instant gratification. We go on Amazon and buy anything we want. We can go on this, we can do whatever we want, uh, play video games, we can win whenever we want. I find it's tougher on baseball than it is a failure sport. It's a, it's a sport, not a, it's a sport where you will fail. Yeah, and you don't have that instant gratification in baseball Mm-mm. and I think that turns off a lot of kids sure um, and I, I think that, that I'm not sure if that's a generational thing and it that doesn't take away from how strongly I feel about the mental aspect of loving yourself and and no, but I think it's very important to go into a life experience knowing how to fail because if you don't you're gonna get hit hard later on yeah
0: um, well yeah I think the deeper you love yourself, the more forgiving you are right. so, so when we, you don't achieve what you want to achieve, like quote unquote on exactly. that, and then you you have the ability to go then and keep I'll trying. I'll give
1: you an example. We had um, our quarterfinal game this past weekend and I had a great athlete at shortstop, great athlete, and he's a great kid. And he made three errors in a row. Oof. And he came off the field crying and I put my arm around his shoulder and I said, hey, it happened. It's gonna happen again. It's, it's going to happen again. <laughs> And, and, and this is a thing that happened. Um, I said, I, I'm going to bet you'll never have a, as bad of an inning like this again. I said, what you need to do is you need to flush it and understand that this is what happened. This is why it happened because you were pressing too hard and you were putting too much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. And let's move forward and let's have a good next inning. You know what? He made a great play the next inning. And it's like, yeah, that, that's who you are. Don't convince yourself that's not who you are, right? Convince yourself that you are a good athlete um because if you're scared to fail you're gonna fail you will and if you're scared to fail when you fail you're going to convince yourself you're not good even though you are and if you convince yourself you're not good you're not going to want to do it anymore right and i think that that kind of ties into the core aspect of why are people not playing a sport as much that is based around failing sure you know i think a lot of kids Enjoy the instant gratification of making a basket or scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Versus having to strike out ten times to get three hits in a game. All right.
0: I'm I'm with you. Yeah. Does that,
1: does that make sense? That's a good point. No, I guess I, I apologize for the. Uh, no. We can edit out what I first said. No, I, I was don't. trying to. I was trying to. No, no. I like together. it. I just yeah. I didn't know where we you're going with. Yeah, it. yeah. We fair. don't edit out anything. Okay, fair. Fair. I just <clears> I don't want I don't want to. Make anybody feel lesser than they are. That's obviously not the case. I just, I think that's where we're at as yeah. a society is. People just don't like to fail. They like to avoid failing where they can. Yeah, we we'll try to but, avoid it. I, but, I agree with but that. But when it happens, it happens, and we don't know how to deal with it anymore because we didn't do it earlier. Yeah, because we're not used to it. You look at a baby. Well, a baby falls down a bunch of times before they they finally always gets walk. back up though. Yeah, can always walk. And no, we we started. It's ingrained in us to to compete, and it's ingrained in us to. To get back up and try again we've been doing it since we were since we started walking yeah um so what is it now that keeps that has us scared to fall over and try to get back up yeah um, I think, yeah which again I, we can tie right back into the social media aspect all we see when i talk which i deleted my facebook for this exact reason What did you it made me so self-conscious about what was going on my life. i was pretty happy with what was going on in my life but um a lot of negativity on there and then like hey I'm here on a beach, look how great I'm doing. Well, we're in the middle of a crisis and a lot of people are struggling. And I just, you know, like like a lot of people look at that thinking, man, if they're doing that, I must be doing something wrong because that goes in the same graduating classes as them. Yeah. And so I need to find something immediately to get your into gratification so I can feel better about yeah. that. And that kind of just you know, goes into like a, like a vicious cycle. It does, yeah. So, delete your Facebook, kids.
0: I mean, yeah, social media is very interesting, right? But we have the, we don't have the full ability to consume the content that we want, right? Because sometimes Facebook puts ads out. Or sure. They just put things out even though we don't follow or friends yeah. with these people. But we do have the full control over how much time we spend on it. Yes. Because I'm someone who posts on social media quite a bit, right? And I try to really only engage with the content that like either i'm learning from or i'm trying to or the following that i'm trying to acquire or something like that or i just post and then i I put my phone away sure you know we don't we we i we almost have full control over what we do but sometimes the social media platforms present us with stuff that we don't follow and it's harder than to not look at it but as long as we're consciously aware of what we're consuming then
1: we can be self-observant of how we can
0: control Absolutely. it and make those changes. As
1: opposed to um, interacting with the negativity that brings more negativity onto your feed. Right. Because that's the way the, um, the Facebook uh, um, code. The works. algorithm. Algorithm it. works is if you interact, you get more of that. And so there, you know you see something that makes you so mad so you have to say something. Well, you interacted with this, so you're gonna see more of you're it. You're gonna see more of it, yeah. <clears throat> But um, back to baseball. Yeah, back to
0: baseball. So I, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I also think that like baseball is, a, is actually a very complicated sport. Right. And so for parents and for kids, if you don't understand, if for, so, if a parent doesn't really understand the sport, they're not going to really tell their kid that they should try out or go play. I mean, most parents should be telling their kids to go play everything and try everything and do everything. And just like have different awareness of your body sure. and just do whatever arts and crafts sports and baseball yes. or whatever. And then let the, and let the kid decide. But I, I think just specifically in terms of baseball, it's such a complicated sport and you don't, you're not usually just like good at it, right? You don't just become good at baseball. Certainly not actually good at it. Yeah. I mean, you have some talent and athletic, sure. but you have to really cultivate this talent. Like I say on this podcast a lot, like I play baseball from age five till 22 and I think think at age like 20, I finally felt like I was decent at it. Sure. You know? That's a long
1: time. I don't think I ever got there, to be honest you. With
0: know, that's a long time to yeah. to like practice every day, two-a-days, travel, college, coaches, sure. private, you know? And so I think that's that kind of shies people away from the sport of baseball. But then I think once people too kind of get involved in it and they really see the beauty of it and the work yeah. ethic and the life lessons, then like people get hooked on
1: it. Well, and then Exactly, because baseball teaches you that if you don't work hard, you're not going to be successful. And then that's life in general. If you don't work hard, now, you can be naturally smart, you can be naturally talented, but it always catches up with you. Yeah. If you just try to get away with being lazy in life, it's, it's, it will catch up with you For eventually. Sure. And you see it time and time again. Whereas if you're a hard worker, it catches up with you. If you, if you feel like you're spinning your wheels and nothing's happening, eventually all that hard work will pay off even if it takes a little bit longer than you yep. first anticipated something good will happen just keep at it keep yep. going keep pushing
0: forward okay so another then another topic of youth sport is parents sure what is your take on parent involvement and how as a coach of a 13 year old team do you handle parents sure. who may be too feel like they're too
1: involved or too aggressive with their children sure so first off it's certainly understandable. If you're a parent of the team, it's understandable. You want the best for your kid. And you think your kid is just the can, can absolutely be the best baseball player on the team if they work hard, and do the right thing, right instructions. Um, you can get there. The one thing I tell my parents before the season is baseball practices belong to the coach. I'm coaching. We're getting better at certain things. That belongs to me. The games are the performance. You're not going to go to your daughter's dance recital and yell, tap better. Come on, you have to do better. You missed that. You have to twirl at the right time. You're just not going to do that. And to me, especially at this age, the games belong to the kids. How are they going to learn the game if I'm out there? And you see how I coach. Mm -hmm. I'm not out there yelling at you for making an error. I might say something to you like, hey, but it's a coaching moment. Hey, here's what I saw. Try to get this
0: better. Well, right. There's a difference between acknowledging a mistake, sure, and trying to improve from it. Then going what we like need this to, do. to a kid,
1: right? You're the worst. And then you see, and you see parents all the time, like, I can't believe you made that error. Get better. All of a sudden, we have a kid at second base just made an error, crying because their parents are on to them. I'm the coach who's running the team. I don't care if you made an error. Good. I'm glad you made a fall ball. It's 13U You. We're not playing for a World Series on Fox right now. It's okay to mess up. <laughs> I don't need a, don't, don't look at your mom and dad. Don't even look at me. Take a deep breath. Understand that that's how life goes sometimes and move on. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you're going to have a tough time. And so that's why I tell my parents, I do not want to hear you in the stands. We dealt with that the weekend that we played where we had a catcher throw to second because the tying run was at third. And I said, hold the ball, hold the ball. Because the runner was going to second. Right. All the parents were saying, throw it, throw it. He heard throw it, threw it. We gave up the tying run. We had to go to extras. Went to the parents. Hey, this is why I need you guys to keep it down. Watch your kids. Let them play the game. You're paying for them to play the game. You're paying coaches to coach them. Let them coach the game. If you feel the coach isn't doing the right thing, doing the right job, get them on a different team where the coach does the right thing. Have a conversation after the game. But at no point should you be interfering with the game that you're paying the coach to coach for your kid to play. Because when your kid graduates college and they go get their first sales job, you can't call them and say, sell better. You have to be better on the phones. They have to know how to fail and how to feel out where they need to get better. And it starts now, and that starts in youth sports to me. So over-involved parents I can't deal with, and I I honestly don't have a whole lot of patience for it. So if you have a problem with what I'm doing, Give it 24 hours? Send me an email. Let's have a conversation. I certainly understand where you're coming from. I want to talk to you about this. I want to give you my thoughts. I want to make sure that I have your thoughts. I don't want it to be a a, a yelling match. So we need to make sure we're doing it in a calm, productive manner for the benefit of your kid who I know you love, but I also love too because I have all the love in the world for kids that I coach because they work hard and that's a big thing for me. As long as you're willing to work hard for me, we're going to be in great shape and I'll love you to death. Um, And also... Parents tend to um, get on to their kids for making errors. And I have kids who will be scared to make errors. Mm. And it's, why are you having, have you ever messed up in your life? Right. Are you, are you, do you expect to be yelled at for making a mistake? Did you take a wrong turn on the way to the field? Are you gonna get yelled at for taking a wrong turn <laughs> in the backwoods field? No, so if your kid, because it's a natural part of finding a new spot. If I have your kid playing center field and he, and he takes a bad angle of the ball, you can't yell at him for doing it because it's going to kill his love for it. Right. Like, w- what are you expecting to gain from yelling at your kid? You should know you should do better. Well, maybe your kid's not doing as well because they put so much pressure of their expectations of their parents that they're not having fun playing the game anymore. Right. And that's what I see a lot is you'll have a kid who makes an error and they'll start crying. It's because they're scared of what dad's going to do when they get home mm-hmm.
0: and finds home. out.
1: Like... I don't need. Kids shouldn't be scared to fail. Kids should understand that it's a part of life, and parents should understand it's a part of life because they're in the middle of living it, and it's yeah. okay to to fail, and then we have to learn that from an early age. And if we, if we have kids, you no, know, I guess I'm talking in circles at this point, but I mean it's the reoccurring theme, yeah, which is, is which is perfect, which is brilliant, which is what you know people need to understand. Absolutely, um, it's okay to fail, and parents from a young age are teaching kids that it's not, that's where we get into an instant gratification lifestyle of, okay, mom, dad, it's not okay to fail. Well, I'm going to go do this, this, and this then, and expect the grant to gratification. Well, life doesn't really grant, it. it can, but it doesn't, I don't think it's a very right. healthy lifestyle. Very
0: rare moments do you get exactly what you want in the moment Exactly. you always,
1: You always know, there's the old saying, when we talk about life in general, is everybody has a plan A. Very rarely is plan A work. You yeah. gotta have a plan B, and that's and even sometimes a plan C. You're probably end up going that. Like right, mm-hmm. yeah, the the even if you have even if end goal is here, it's never this. Right. Well, It's right. right here. It's here. Like, it's here I'm, it's I'm right here, where, where here, I want to be right now in my life. But I was here two and a half years ago. I was probably here about a year ago, and now I'm here yeah, where I want to be. But man, it wasn't easy to do. Right. And I'm telling you, if I didn't know how to fail, and I didn't have. Life kicking me down at every turn for, for three or four years, I wouldn't be here. I would have been looking for instant gratification and I'd still probably be here. Mm-hmm. But I, I made conscious decisions to say, hey, instant gratification could get me here, but it's not really where I want to be at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make, I'm going to make life choices that could bite me in the butt, but I want to be at a certain point and I'm only going to get there by working harder for it. Yeah. So. So it's a long-winded way to, to answer. No, I like a lot how passionate questions. you get about yes. that question. I am very passionate about it. I just I don't know, man. It's
0: because youth sports in general are so important. Just activities, just general activities for yes. our youth are so important. They are, and and to, and to not be good at something is also so 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 important.
1: But it's okay not to be good at it. Right, something. it just it's so depends okay it just just depend on where you thing. want to go
0: from. Me. If I'm not good at it because I don't enjoy doing it, cool. You don't do it, it, it anymore but else. you know you don't like it. But if, if you're not good at it because you just haven't put enough time in but you still like
1: it, boom. There's that effort. Gotta give effort. There's Absolutely. that effort. I because, tried because, out a yeah. kid last night. I tried out a kid last night who, um, he's raw. 13 years old, built well. He's raw, he's a catcher, he has power, he can hit. He just hasn't really been coached. Right. And I told him, I said, hey, do you want to get better? Yeah. Do you think this can help you get better? Yeah. Are you willing to put in the effort to get better? It's the most important thing. Right. Are you willing to come here three, two, three times a week to get better? Yeah. Great. You're a great fit. Effort is cool. I don't, I don't, I don't care how good you are right now. I care about what we can do with your effort. because if you have the right people around you, you give enough effort, it'll work. Is that a lemon tree by the way? I'm looking at that. It's a uh, pretend lemon tree. I, I like it. Those are. I have a couple real plants. Some of them are fake. That's fair. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, but anyway, um, sorry. I'm, I'm ADD. I'm no distracted. worries. Um, I don't care. But but yeah, it's like, are, are you willing to put it in to, to work your butt off? Then then cool. I, I told I told the team that we coached. I told them at the game of the season. I said, listen, we might go 0 20 this fall. That's okay. They might get errors every single play. That's okay. If you give me effort every single day, we might lose every game, but we're going to look damn good losing every single game. And you know what? By looking damn good with all the effort we're giving, we're going to win a few games. Because right. effort means everything. Everything. You know, you can you know be the most talented human being in the world, but if you don't put effort in, um, I'll give you a baseball reference. Look at Don Charles Wills. Remember how good he was just oh, by man. pure talent? Yeah, and he had this, like, Funky wine, yeah, up yeah, but, but, but guess what happened? When his body caught up to him and he hit 23, 24, yeah. he wasn't used to working hard. Right. He gained like 40 pounds. He kicked around in the, in the, in the system and then he retired. Yeah. But he just didn't know how to work hard because everything came naturally to him. Right. Nobody had taught him how to, how to get after it. How to get after it.
0: Yeah. You got to get after it. I like that. You got to get after it. Just whatever area. If you want to be good. Like, at anything.
1: Yeah. If you want to be good. And you want to succeed, you got to get after it. But again, same time, if you don't want to be good at it, that's fine. I'm not going to sit here and judge you. Right. You might not be a good fit for this. You might need to find something else you're passionate about to get after it with. Yeah. You know, if, you, if, if mom and dad are trying to get you to play guitar and you're just not really feeling it, find something else you're passionate about to work at. Yeah. Because if you want to be good at something, you have to work at it.
0: Yeah. And the only really way to find something that you're passionate about is to experience a lot of different things while talking to a lot of different diverse people. Joel's back from hey, Wally World. Hey, welcome
1: back to Wally World, from Wally World. What up, fam? <laughs> With your Chance the Rapper hat on. Hell yeah. It's a sweet hat. Well, I honestly thought that was a Babe Ruth hat. That shows what I know about nah, pop culture. Saw, saw him in concert. It was a great show. That's awesome. All right, enjoy.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, the only way you find out what you like is to experience a lot of different things. And that's about trying new things and not being good at them and then keep trying or leaning into them or going a different direction or, you know, educating yourself on something. It's all, it's all just a, it's all just a big old process really.
1: And, uh, and being okay with the process. Yeah. And and enjoying that process. Enjoy the process because I don't know, I look back on my failures and I enjoy that I had them. Like I got fired from a job once. Yeah. It's funny. I actually talked to that man. Um, two days ago I got a phone call from the only person who's ever fired me. And we had an hour-long conversation about yeah. it, just about how people rebound from it and how people handle failure. Sure. And he even told me he's like he's like you know I fired people before who just go off the rails. There's other people you fire who, you know, you just know they're gonna be okay. They're just not on the right path at the time. Right. He, and he said he said man, I'm just so proud of you and like how, how you've handled everything and where you're at now. And he said I just want you to know that you know that during that time I, I think I could have done a better job. You know, doing this, this, and this, and I guess fired is an extreme word. I got, I got strongly recommended, It was strongly suggested that I that I leave on my own terms. Ah. Basically, if I didn't, I would have gotten fired. So i was like, okay, I'm out. Um, but you turn, you know, lemons into lemonade in that situation, and uh, you know, you handle it the right way. And you know, I look back on that one failure, and now I'm running, I'm running a team, and I'm significantly better at it because of that failure five years ago. Right. I'm still pulling from that. and It still hurts sometimes, but man, I failed that strongly five years ago, and I'm able to. I'm able to be a better leader today because of it. Beautiful. Like if I hadn't gotten fired, probably wouldn't be that good nah. of a leader. I never would have failed. Never would have learned. Right. So you never would have had to experience that. So you never would have needed to know that you needed to get better. Exactly. And if I had just gone for instant gratification, I kept wanting, you know, bouncing around trying to figure out what's going to be best, and and I wouldn't be where I'm at today. That yeah, leads us to right now. Just to right, right now, me uh, right drinking right now. a beer at noon after after five meetings this morning, and I was like, texted Aaron, I had five meetings this morning, and it was a grind, and it was a lot of putting out fires. And I texted him, like, you got beer? Because I need a beer.
0: Yeah, beer and conversation.
1: Beer, it's 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 where life. Beer and good conversation. That's my that's my one of my favorite things in life. Anything uh, anything else regarding baseball or mental life that you you want to cover with me? Um,
0: I think well, uh, yeah. Let's just. Touching the themes of today's episode, mm-hmm. baseball is super cool. It's a good uh, And it's, it's, good the, it's the best sport to teach you about life. So one. So if you have, if you're a young person, or if you're, even if you're an old person, get to know the game of baseball. It's very poetic and beautiful, and has a lot of reoccurring themes that are going to teach you in a more unique way than just reading like a fucking self help book or something. You know. Sure.
1: Which, uh, nothing wrong with self help. No, books. I read a lot of them. And yeah, I, I love I, them. I find a lot of uh, information I'm a, big, uh, I'm a big fan of Super Soul Sundays with uh, Oprah. Ooh, Oprah. Oprah's a fantastic plug for you, Oprah. You're welcome. Um, Super she Soul watches Sundays. the show for I know, sure. I'm sure she does. That's She's amazing. about to put it on the O network. Yeah, 100%. percent she would her, her O sticker right on this podcast. It's that would be so <laughs> sick. That would be the coolest thing from probably ever Dude, uh, I've been telling you, when I was really depressed, I listened to a lot of Super Soul Sundays where Oprah would – interview people who have gone through a lot of shit in their lives and written books about it and yeah. she just talked to them about it and, I there and I, all I can think about is like man I'm freaking motivated to work harder now yeah. like I, I'm okay Oprah's gone through some shit oh my god has she ever yeah. and she's turned her
0: life into something glorious yeah she's she's uh, unbelievable yeah um, and then yeah, I think person. number two reoccurring theme not only this episode but on all episodes of Jackson Talks everybody is take care of your mentals take care of your inner life Focus on your mindset and uh, with that kind well, of... I want to touch on that before you... Yeah, with, okay. With prioritizing that, I think everything else will kind of naturally fall into place. Your relationships, your business, your money,
1: things will fall into place if you're taking care of your mentals, your inner life, uh, stuff like that. And in touching on that, you can work hard at anything you want to do and, and it's great. Hard work benefits you. None of it matters. None of it matters if your physical and mental health aren't where it needs to be. You can be the best at what you do, but if you're not okay up here and here, it's all for nothing. But at the same time, if you're good here and here, you're better at what you're trying to do. And it's just so important to make sure that you don't forget that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to feel how you feel. And it's important to have somebody to talk to about it. Um, I was an early adopter from a kid. As a kid, i have to to therapy. Mm. Love having a therapist. You know, it's just a third party to have somebody to talk to. And sometimes they'll tell me to get my shit together. And I'm like, oh, that was... Okay, well, yeah, I'll do that. I remember one time, you know, I, if you know, notice, I popped my knuckles. And I was talking about, you know, a recent breakup of mine. Like, I, I was dating a girl for a year and a half. And it uh, didn't end the way I wanted it to. And I was, I went to therapy. And she... At one point, finally he goes. No wonder you're single. You, don't, you pop all your knuckles. Nobody wants to be with a guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, was super harsh, but okay. Wow, that's fair. Now thank God now I have the love of my life. Yes, shout uh, out to Lulu. Shout out to Lulu. Love you. Um, and uh, but you know, and she's okay with me popping my knuckles. So whatever therapist. There you like, go. You want it. You guy. want it. Um,
0: yeah, and also remember that rest, rest and recovery are two of the most important factors in overall health, happiness, success. So even though the grind and working hard is very important, um, rest and recovery and taking time for yourself is just as equally as important. So remember that as well. Um, all right. Closing
1: thoughts, closing remarks. Damn, given all the thoughts I can possibly muster right now, I think um, love yourself, live for yourself. Um your family and yourself are the, are the most important things in life. Make sure you're taking care of yourself physically and emotionally um, before you worry about all the external BS that uh, that you're going after. Because at the end of the day, you strip it all away. All you have is your mental health, your physical health, and your family. If everything else goes south, you still have that. And so make sure to to um, attain to that and to, to focus on that. First and foremost, before you worry about the stuff that at the end of the day might not be there. Uh, Yeah, I
0: couldn't have said it better. So that's going to, we're going to end on that. That's going to be my closing remarks for today's episode. Please, uh, if you enjoy this episode or any of these episodes, share them with a friend, tell your buddy, tell your next door neighbor, tell your colleague, your peer, your roommate, your friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, anyone, please um, rate, review, subscribe, comment, like, Um, thank you for being
1: a part of this community. Don't forget that you are loved oh, and you yeah. are not alone. That's right. You always. are loved and you are not alone unequivocally. doesn't matter who you are, what situation you're in. You are loved and you are not alone. Well, thanks for watching. Cheers. Love, Love you, guys. you guys. Hey, jinx. <laughs> <laughs>